When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to another episode of the Destination Debbie College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Paul, joined by my co-host, Derek. Derek, what a week of college football we had coming up for us. Six top 10 games highlighted, sorry, six top 25 matchups highlighted by one top 10 game. It was a pretty good week. Lots and lots of competitive football, conference play kicked off, more Heisman-like performances. I really love watching college football today. It's easily, easily the best weekend yet, and we'll dive right into it. We had last night on Friday night, Wisconsin at Purdue kicking off the Big Ten for both teams, and Braylon Allen, he looked like the old Braylon Allen, looked better than Chaz Malusi this week. He was the man for the Badgers. What did you think of Braylon Allen's performance? Yeah, absolutely. It looked like he was picked to be the running back this week for the Badgers. Uh, had a long of 52 yards, had two touchdowns on the ground over 100 yards. I mean, just looked like good old Braylon Allen that we come to a used to, you know. I don't know who's going to be the guy next week, but at least Braylon Allen's still there. Yeah, that's going to be the worry for them, I'd say, going forward is they're going to ride the hot hand, it seems like. Luckily for us, this week it was Braylon Allen. Although, I'm sorry, I've got the OSU game over here on the side and MHJ just made a crazy play. Uh, but, yeah, Braylon Allen, um, I mean, I, he's dropped in my rankings personally, my Debbie rankings. Um, but, you know, if, it, if they're going to alter week to week, depending on who's the lead back, you know, between him and Chaz Malusi, uh, Malusi's skyrocketed up my rankings personally. So at least they're both viable, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Braylon only had five more carries, but he did a lot more with them. Like you said, he had 116, Malusi only had 39 on the ground. Right. So Braylon was just able to break loose. Chaz Malusi. Yeah, Malusi had less rushing yards than Tanner Mordecai. So if that means anything. Yeah, Braylon Allen, his longest run was more than what Chaz Malusi had all day. Right. Exactly. You take away that longest run, he's still outrushes him by, you know, 30 yards. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Mr. C.J. Williams got to play some football today, baby. Finally. Former five-star recruit. Went to USC initially and transferred up to Madison, Wisconsin this past offseason. He had five catches for 56 yards. Second leading receiver in terms of yardage. He had the most catches on the team and the most targets. 
So it's nice to see him finally getting involved in the offense and flashing that potential that we hope to see at USC, but we're seeing at Wisconsin now. Yeah, I mean, I um, it's nice to see him finally get some type of, you know, PT or be a focus point of the offense. Uh, but I still don't like Tanner Mordecai. You know, I'm the Kevers guy, so you know, we'll just keep on keep on going for Wisconsin. Yeah, I don't think we'll see Nick Nick Evers this season, unfortunately, with the way they're going. They're not gonna have any back breaking blowout wins for him to get any garbage time, I'd say. Which is unfortunate, but yeah, and they're three and one, so it's not like they're absolutely horrible. Wisconsin's known to have a couple losses every year. Um, so they're not gonna make a change. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. We'll move on to the other Big pre-Saturday game, at least in my book, Boise State at San Diego State. I talked a little bit about this young running back last week or the week before. Ashton Genetti had 23 carries for 205 and two touchdowns on the ground. Added another four catches for 49 yards through the air. Sophomore, class of 25. This kid's a monster. You're going to want to keep your eye on him. I brought it up before, but a lot of Power 5 teams were tossing him some good NIL money to get him to transfer before this season, and he stuck around in Boise. But I don't think he's going to be sticking around much longer if he keeps putting up performances like he has this season. He is bound for bigger things. Yeah, like you said, he you know cracked the 200-yard rushing mark and uh, the second-leading target getter and, tar- and reception leader on the team this game. Uh, I think he bet on himself this year to potentially go out there and get even more NIL money and deals. So I think he transferred after this season, absolutely. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. He's a pretty complete back. He's done it on the ground and through the year throughout his career, which is only two years. Completely understand that. But this year, he's had at least four receptions every game. You know, four, five, five, four. And he's had yardage of 109, 97, 30, and 49, and already two touchdowns. That's all through the air numbers? I mean, that's all insane. All through the air. Yeah, that's insane for a running back. Uh, rushing yards, 44, 115, 43, and 205. He's yeah. had double-digit carries in every game, 10, 24, 16, 23. So he can handle the workload, my friend. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what you look for, a guy who can be a PPR monster, which obviously can be, and this is his biggest game on the ground. So um, he's, he's proven that he's an every-down back, and he can, hear, like you said, carry the workload, be a work workhorse back. And he's got eight touchdowns through four games. So he's averaging two tutties a game, whether it's on the ground or through the air. He's getting in that end zone, baby. That's all that matters, and this Boise State team's not too, too great, so I expect that number to continue to keep going up. Yeah, and when we're looking at the 2025 running back class, we know Nick Singleton, we know Katron Allen, we know Quinshawn Judkins. But after that, Ashton Gennetti might fall in that four spot, might be a top five running back in the, cl- in the class when it's all said and done. He has absolutely impressed, to say the least, for me. Yeah, I'm going to keep an eye on him for sure. I wasn't too familiar with him, but uh, I'm definitely going to watch some more tape of him. Then we'll move on to my Michigan Wolverines. 31-7 W over Rutgers and our Big Ten opener at the Big House. I was slightly impressed with the team. Harbaugh's first game back, of course. 
The defense stood tall majority of the game. The only touchdown they had was on the third play of the game, just bad, bad scheme on the defense. A receiver caught it going over the middle, broke one tackle, and there was no safeties over the top, and he was off to the races. But other than that, the defense absolutely shut him down all game long. That was like 40% of their total offensive yards from that first drive. I was going to say, when I was watching the game, uh, I believe in the second quarter, they only had like 13 yards total in the second quarter. Yeah, it was the defense after that. Really tightened up. It, yeah, it was it was impressive to see out of the Wolverines. Um, kind of like you said, Harbaugh's first game of the season, but it looked like it was not much different than, you know, any of the games we've seen already. J.J. Yeah, McCarthy, in my opinion, continues to impress, and it's the Blake Corum show. You know, the yeah, Blake big, had 21 for 97 and two. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the office for him. Big 10 football, baby. It's back. Conference games are starting. It's what's gonna, it's what it's gonna be like for the Wolverines, I feel like, all year or the rest of the year. Uh, I know Roman Wilson didn't get, didn't get a touchdown today, but uh, Cortland Loveland got some love, that's for sure. He was the leading target getter and, and leading reception and yardage guy for the team. Great to see it. You know, he's a hell of a tight end, in my opinion. So, you know, continues to impress and look good. Oh, yeah, good old Colston Loveland. Been hyping him up all offseason. I might have said Cortland, but I meant, yeah, my bad. It, it happens. I've said worse. Yeah, the first couple games he was quiet, but as I preached in the last few episodes, that wasn't the Michigan offense I thought we'd see come Big Ten time. He'd be more involved. McCarthy would run more, which he did today. He had 51 on the ground, easily a season high for him. 15 of 21 for 214 and a touchdown through the air. No picks, no fumbles, turnover free. He did have that big hiccup last week against Bowling Green, but it looks to be out of his system and out of the way, hopefully. Yeah, that Rutgers team is actually, um, I'm not going to say great, but they're uh, they're a decent Big Ten team in my opinion. I, were they? I think they were undefeated. Yeah, they were 3-0 coming into the game. Yep. And um, their running back, had a he's had a pretty good year. He's been a monster. Kyle, my uh, guy. Yeah. He he had a he had eleven carries for twenty seven yards, so he he got shut down. Yep. Yeah. But all in all, it's a good game. Loveland, the leading receiver, Roman Wilson was involved with fifty nine yards. Donovan Edwards more involved in the receiving game at forty one yards, which we expected come Big Ten play to actually see him as a weapon. All in all, I'm very thrilled about the about the game. You know, yeah, I mean, they just might be my new number one team. What? Mm. Mm. I don't know that I can do that. Um, but I, they look good, man. Impressive. Another 31 to less than 10 to victory. Um, it's, it's, I think like that's going to happen a lot for Michigan this year. Yeah, I mean, even with football nowadays and the high scores, I think if you're putting up 30-plus and holding your opponent to low double digits or less, you got a pretty good shot of beating anybody on any given day, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the defense is obviously not the question mark to me. The offense is a little bit more of the question mark. Um, defense is going to keep you in a lot of games. I would say normally like the Ohio State game might be a little bit of a question mark because, you know, in years past, Ohio State's got a high-scoring offense. But this year, not the case. Uh, Michigan's for sure top two team in my opinion, though. I'm not a closet Michigan fan. I still bleed scarlet and gray, but uh, – Give respect okay. where it's due. You, you can reveal your true feelings once we turn the mics off. I don't mind. It's okay. I'm wearing a Justin Fields Ohio State uh, shirt jersey, so 
Justin Fields, NFL sucks, but you know, I'm no, I bleed Scarlet and Gray, brother. You know this. Yeah, for now. That's okay. We'll move on to the ACC. Florida State at Clemson, and this was a barn burner. Yeah, this was a game. Clemson jumped out to a double-digit lead early on in the game, and it looked like Florida State was going to Florida State like they have the last couple of years, but they came back. Took overtime to do it, but they came back, buddy. It was down the stretch. was really exciting football. Clemson had the ball with like three-something left really milking that clock all the way down as much as they could, and they missed the field goal. Florida State had a chance. Might have been pass interference to them. Threw it up to Keon Coleman about the 10-yard line. He had a chance to come down with it. Unfortunately, could not with about 12 seconds left. Then Clemson absolutely fumbled the time management on the last couple plays. Didn't get up. They had no sense of urgency. Like, they didn't even want to get up and spike the ball and take another shot from around the 50. And it went to overtime, and that's when Keon Coleman made one hell of a one-handed snag over a defender like he always does in jump balls. An athletic monster. And then Clemson turned, to, turned it over on downs, and Florida State walked away the W. Hard-fought game and well-learned for them. Uh, I'd like to walk it back a little bit. I did not like Clemson calling their last time out there on the fourth down, previous to the fourth down play for Florida State. That was completely stupid in my opinion. I uh, don't know who called it. Uh, but Dabo, if he did it, it's, it's stupid, which wouldn't surprise me. Called him stupid before. If it was somebody else on the staff from one of the players, he should be ripping their butt. Uh, regardless, Clemson had every opportunity to win this game. They did not. Florida State just did what they had to do. Um, it was a hard-fought hard win at Clemson, man. Florida State, uh, Johnny Wilson there looked like he was the guy that last drive until they, you know, didn't convert on fourth down. And Keon Coleman turned it on in overtime. It happens. Keon's an absolute beast. I don't care if he had a down game before this or the week before. He's an NFL player. You can't tell me nothing else about him. 86-2 and two for him. And just the way he floats in the air to go up against the defender and just bring it down almost every time, it's wonderful. He's someone I want on my dynasty team next year. And I have him yeah. on one of my Debbie rosters now, and he's not going anywhere. Yeah, he's – um I mean, depending on where he gets drafted at in real life, he's still – I think he's got pretty good dynasty value regardless. He's safe. And then I feel like he's one of those guys that we uh, love to go after, big body jump ball guy that just comes down with it more than 50% of the time. Uh, I'm a huge Keon Coleman fan now. I feel like he's a different player than what he was at Michigan. We've said that before. Um, I'm just – I'm loving it for Jordan Travis. He's got all these weapons, and he's just trying to get everybody involved. The running game – didn't really do much anything for Florida State this game, but obviously the passing game was was going pretty well for him. So I apologize, man. All my kids just got home. I know it was like a mini zoo walking behind you there, just kept coming one after another. They did. It was it was impressive to say the least. I know you I only apologize. got four, man. I felt like ten. Uh, yeah, they just head bobble whap 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 back and forth. But uh, yeah, hard fought victory, Florida State. Uh, Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson, I really like uh, Keon Coleman a little more, but. This was, this was a heck of a game, man. Jordan Travis really showed his moxie, led the team very well, I'd say. Kept a minute, kept the energy up, confidence. And he had a pretty good game, 289-2. and two. He also had a rushing touchdown to start the game. But Trey Benson, man, I love Trey Benson, almost like no other unless your name is Ray GQ. And he has just had a 
a very disappointing season. Again, today, seven carries for 25 yards, although he did have 50 receiving yards. He's just been disappointing on the ground so far this year. Yeah, he hasn't looked good. I don't know if it's necessarily like, um, you know, they're trying to pass the ball more than not. I I, I don't really get it. Uh, you would think that with having a successful passing attack that, that would open up the, the ground game. Um, that hadn't really been the case, though. I'm, I'm, I am disappointed in Trey Benson as well. Still a fan, though. Hopefully he gets it going here before too long. But we'll talk a little bit about Clemson. Cade Klubnick did what he does. Throws the ball 30-plus times for 283 and one touchdown. Added another one on the ground. As far as the receivers, uh, no Antonio Williams. Adam Randall disappoints 12 yards. Bo Collins, 29 yards. So the big names didn't step up. Uh, Will Shipley, 18 carries for 67 and a touchdown. His running mate, Phil Moffa, had 10 for 69. So he was arguably the better back on the day. Will Shipley just – he couldn't bust out like we're used to seeing from him. He was under lockdown for the majority of the time. Yeah, Phil Moffa also had a 46-yard run. So, you know, you, but you take away that, and he was also abysmal. Just one run he got – you know, 66% of his yards, basically. Uh, the Clemson office just didn't look didn't look good. They didn't have, like you said, their their receivers. Brian Stoll was their second-leading receiver. So, really the only guy I really liked on the receiving end of anything today, for Clemson anyway. Yeah, he was a big, big guy in Debbie his freshman year. Thought he might be one of the next tight ends up, the big athletic. You know, the ones we love. Probably going to post a high RAS score, but he just hasn't panned out so far. But again, with tight ends of college, that's majority of the time that is the case. We're not too impressed with what we see out of him due to the college game being what it is. Yeah, um, unfortunately, most tight ends don't get a lot of work in in the college game. Um, at least not in very many programs. You know, like Kyle Pitts got work, but you know, most Big Ten teams don't use a whole lot unless they're you know Michigan or. Wisconsin, that's just just tight ends get no love, man. Unfortunately, they do not. We'll move on to Auburn at Texas A&M. A battle of 3-0 versus 2-1 in the SEC. Texas A&M walked away with the W, 27-10. A big day for Le'Veon Moss, the running back. 15 carries for 97 yards and a touchdown. So he was looked very good from one of the only times in his career so far. And he got it done for him. Uh, let's see. Evan Stewart had a very down game. Worst game of the year, all things considered. He missed last week's game due to injury. Got three balls for 50 yards and a touchdown. He did good, but he's not. he didn't put up 100-plus like he did the previous two games he's played. And then the quarterback situation. Connor Wegman started, of course but I don't recall if he was pulled for injury or poor performance. He was 8 of 14 for 70 yards. And then Max Johnson, the former LSU transfer, came in, dropped 123 and two touchdowns and led the way for the victory. Uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of echoing off of you, uh, Evan Stewart wasn't, you know, a target hog today. He only was targeted three times. I'm curious as if those all three targets were strictly from Connor Wegman. I would say probably were. And then – but got you know got his touchdown. Obviously, had to have gotten his touchdown with Mac Johnson because Wegman had no passing touchdowns. But um, it's nice to see, like you said, 
uh, Moss finally do what we expect him to do. He's been a bit of a letdown, in my opinion, so far this year. Yeah, it's- he has been, but they've rotated many, many running backs, and today was probably the first game they've had a quote-unquote bell cow. Unfortunately, it was him. But, yes, Max Johnson did toss the 37-yarder to Evan Stewart. And cool thing, his brother Jake Johnson is the tight end, or one of the tight ends for the team, former five-star prospect. He got to throw a 22-yard touchdown to his little brother today. So that's pretty cool for them to get that connection going. And then on the Auburn side, Peyton Thorne, Michigan State transfer. Man, he is not very good. Not good at all. Whether it was Michigan State or him, I'm going to say it's him. He was running around for his life today. Negative 34 rush yards. But Jarquez Hunter, the hyped-up running back, had nine carries for 53. So he's getting back into the groove of things after missing a game or two for injury. So I can't wait to see him get the ball rolling throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, I'm, there's not much to echo off what you said other than uh, my com- complete dislike of, of Peyton Thorne. I agree. I don't think it was a Michigan State thing. It's definitely a Peyton Thorne thing. Uh, honestly, probably got lucky being able to go to the SEC with as bad as I felt he was. So um, Auburn just didn't look good today. Yeah, he was very lucky to lay in the spot he did, but it was a case of timing, I'd say. Once yeah. E.J. Finley, the former starting quarterback, knew they were looking to bring in somebody from the transfer portal, he bolted, pretty much said, F you guys. And I know Grayson McCall was rumored to be transferring there at one point, as was Devin Leary. They both obviously went elsewhere. Grayson McCall stayed in Myrtle Beach, but they pretty much took, the, unfortunately, the best of what was left, and the best is not very good. Yeah, I, I would have, I mean... Definitely would have rather had Grayson McCall and Devin Leary, absolutely, at this point. Um, oh, by far. Yeah, good. You know, Peyton we'll Thorne. Thorne just, FCS. Yeah, yeah, I'm just not a Peyton Thorne guy, man. Uh, Grayson McCall would have been an interesting one. I think that completely changes his team around. Oh, yeah, very much so. And uh, rumor has it that Peyton Thorne was a big reason that Keon Coleman was transferring, along with the offense he was playing in. They didn't weren't using him to his best of his abilities, and – had a quarterback that couldn't get him the ball. I was I was going to agree with you completely on that. Uh, Peyton Thorne, to me, is not a, a deep ball passer. He's really more or less a game manager, in my opinion. Um, I just he's not very good. No, no, he he's not. But we'll move on to Oklahoma at Cincinnati. This was a good game for the first half when I was watching it. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma's quarterback, had three twenty-two and a touchdown. Pretty normal day for him. I was mostly watching this game to get some tape on Andrew Anthony Jr., the former Michigan transfer. He caught seven balls for 117 today. He is their leading receiver. And if you didn't get to check out my latest article from Friday on DestinationDebbie.com, he was one of my buys. A name that might not be well known to a lot of people, but he is balling. Third-year player, 6'1" pushing 200 pounds, very athletic. He plays on the outside almost 92% of the time. He's good. He's very good. He's going to be rising, I think. Whether he declares in 24 or he comes back for, or sorry, for the yeah the 24 class or comes back for the 25 class, he's someone you should keep your eye on. Uh, he's, he's definitely rising. Um, you know, it sucks. That's a 
I think he looks like a completely different animal now playing for Oklahoma compared to at Michigan. Um, unfortunately, your your Michigan offense isn't centered around taking advantage of of good wide receivers. It's, it's a run heavy offense. But besides the point, Dylan Grabuel looked looked pretty good today. Like you said, three twenty two and a touchdown through the air. Uh, he was also twenty five yards on the ground and another touchdown. Anthony Andrew Anthony looked. You know, I think it's going to be a week, but a week a weekly thing. He's going to lead that team in targets and receptions and yards. It's just, is he going to get the receiving touchdowns? Yeah, he is per Brett Venables. He is the number one guy. He said he came in bottom of the totem pole and he's worked his way up all the way to the top. And he also dropped in there that he wasn't transferring for character issues, anything negative. Like you echoed, uh, Michigan offense is run heavy, doesn't utilize the receivers the best. Freshman year, he flashed a bunch. He had, He's from East Lansing, and freshman year on the road in East Lansing against a little brother, Michigan State. He dropped 100-plus yards and I think two touchdowns, so had the game of his life against his hometown school. And then after that, it was downhill his sophomore year. So that seems to be the reason he transferred, much like Keon Coleman. Didn't feel the offense fit him. And Venables even said Michigan wanted him back but he wanted to go elsewhere for more pass-friendly offense, which is understandable, and it's working out for him so far. First yeah, year in the offense, and he's balling. Yeah, absolutely can't blame the kid for wanting to get more eyes on him, being able to do what he can do. Uh, kind of what you echoed earlier, Keon Coleman left because the offense and the quarterback play. It's nice to know Andrew Anthony didn't get it because of the quarterback play, and we get it. J.J. McCarthy's a stud. I think he's a dog. Um, but just – Getting eyes on these guys, you know, go to like you said, a pass heavy offense just to be able to get opportunity and put what you can do on tape. It's working for him in Oklahoma, absolutely. Exactly. And we'll move on to the most disappointing game of the day. That's which a lot of people are gonna be happy about. So all you Colorado Dion haters, Shadur haters out there, congratulations. It's not gonna last long because they're gonna bounce back. But they got walloped. 42 to 6 on the road in Oregon. Of course, missing Travis Hunter. Not saying that's why they lost, but he could have helped them maybe stop Oregon once or twice, put up a touchdown or something. But even with Travis Hunter, they they would have had no chance to win this game in my eyes. They just did not play well. Oregon's offense just came out rolling right out of the gates. Defense looked like they were playing a mini Tice team out there. It wasn't good for them. They just got steamrolled all game long. So we'll start with Oregon. Bo Nix had three touchdowns through the air, one interception. And Bucky Irving, 89 on the ground. Bo Nix also had a rushing touchdown. And really the star of the day, Troy Franklin, reeled in eight catches for 126 and two touchdowns. He was on fire. Yeah, can't really do any much more. I mean, I'm – I don't want to echo everything you said. Oregon just outclassed them today. Um, again, had Travis Hunter been there, this I don't think he's worth, you know, 36 points difference, but it, it might have been a, you know, 28-point game or something. Uh, Oregon had this game in the bag from the jump. Um, I'm assuming – I'm not looking at it on, on our sheet, but I'm assuming that Shadur Sanders got pressured, hit, sacked a ton of times. Oh, yeah. He had uh, – which he had a couple – Nice rushing plays. He had one for 20-plus yards almost, or 28 yards. Sorry, I'm looking at it in front of my face. But he ended up with 10 attempts, which also 
incorporate his sacks, how many times he got sacked, for negative 34 yards. So it goes to show he was sacked, he was pressured, he was hit. He was under duress all game long without his number one guy out there. He struggled. 23 of 33 for 159 and touchdown. A big thing, he didn't turn the ball over or didn't throw an interception. So, you know, that that's that's always a positive. They just – they were outmatched in this game, you know, 100%. Oregon, top to bottoms, the, the better team. I won't lie, I did bet on this game. You know, I, I took the odds of, of Colorado winning at Oregon and threw five bucks on it. Had they won out of one, you know, 300 bucks or whatever, but didn't happen. It is what it is. That I didn't anticipate them winning. I thought they had a long shot of doing it, but just not a good game overall. I mean, Xavier Weaver's, Weaver still had a good game, nine catches for 75. Uh, the other top receiver, Jimmy Horn Jr., one catch for negative four on a screenplay. He only had three targets, so he just wasn't involved much. But one I guess bright spot for me is Alton McCaskill made his return to college football. Five carries for 17 yards, and he caught one ball for one yard. So he is back, going to be involved, obviously, in the running back room. That's going to help this offense out a lot, especially in Travis Hunter's absence, if he can play a lot more. Yeah, I mean, not much to echo off of you. It's nice to see Alton McCaskill get back out there because Dylan Edwards is more of a receiving back, and I just – don't feel like the other backs are – I mean, they're okay for Colorado, but they're not, you know, great backs in my opinion. So, uh, him getting back, obviously going to have to knock off the rust and get back in the game form shape. Um, you know, we'll see what he can do for the rest of the season. But Troy Franklin, like you said, had a hell of a day too, though. So, you know, it seems like that's becoming a, a weekly weekly thing for Oregon as Troy Franklin puts up numbers. Yeah, he's clearly the number one, and he is looking better and better each week, I'd say, as yeah. far as the NFL prospects. And then uh, Coach Dan Lanning of Oregon, he had some interesting things to say, and I believe it was halftime or after one of the quarters, but they were up 25-zip at this point, and he was telling them, basically, it's not enough. We're going to score more. If you watch the first half, hopefully you watch the second half because there's going to be something to see, basically. So he was out for blood this game. He wanted to pummel Colorado. They went for it on fourth and goal, I think, for the one or two-yard line and punched it in. Then they went for it on fourth and goal in the fourth quarter, I believe. It was from, like, the five or six, and they did not convert on that one, but you could tell he was looking to make a statement. Yeah, the good old old Woody Hayes, why'd you go for two? Because we can't go for three. I mean, you know, I feel like Lanning's one of them guys. It's just, you know, any publicity is – whether it's good or bad is good. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's a little known coach all the way out at Oregon who hasn't been in the spotlight. So, why not take advantage why the, the whole country's eyes are on you? They had the sixth highest attendance for an Oregon home game in history today. So, people wanted to see this game. Hopefully, USC is a different story for Colorado, but we'll see. What is that next week? Some it's, 30. It's, it's yep. next week. Yep. I don't I don't think so. I think it'll be a Washington repeat of this game. They're not gonna have Travis Hunter again. So I'm not holding my I'm not hoping for anything. I think the offense will be a lot better. I think Oregon's defense is on another level compared to USC's. So I think offensively they'll be able to get going a little bit more. At least I mean, that's my hope. I mean it's entirely possible. I 
still don't think that they're going to be able to uh, score with USC regardless? Probably not. To me, this game was very indicative. I I was riding the Colorado high horse along with you, I'm sure. This, to me, brought it back down to earth. I was expecting a lot more out of Colorado, and it just proves that, you know, these teams are just way more talented than Colorado. Dion's a hell of a coach and is doing the best he can with what he's got, absolutely. But, you know, when it comes to the top, the top, like Oregon, Washington, USC, I know they don't play Washington this year, but they're just, they're on a whole different stratosphere. And, of course, some of that attributes to top defensive and one of their top offensive guys missing. Now, again, if he would have been there playing defense, he would have been the one shadowing Troy Franklin. So maybe he didn't have as big of a game with Travis Hunter on him. And that he was a big part of their offense today. Probably the biggest part outside of Bucky Irving on the ground. So we'll we'll see whenever Travis Hunter gets back and healthy. I wouldn't be surprised if they drop next week to USC, go to three and two. But once he comes back, they go on a nice little win streak until they play Utah. I wouldn't be surprised either. I'd if I was a Colorado fan, which I kind of am, I'd be happy if they go bowling this year. I think they will. I don't think there's any shot that they don't make six wins at this oh, point. I know they've got Arizona and Arizona State. So right, there's two. They play Stanford. Yeah, there's potentially three right there, and you only need six. They already have three. So um, yeah, and I took the early, super early over on four and a half wins. Yeah, you're I looking. The I think you're starting to down to three and a half. So I very confident in them. But we'll move on to another game. Ole Miss at Bama. I expected Ole Miss to play better, but they did not. Not that they played you know, absolutely terrible, but Jackson Dart, 20-35 for 244 and a pick. And Quinshawn Juckins, 13 for 56. Another game he struggled and just couldn't get going, man. Same story that it's been all season. He's just struggled. For whatever reason, the offense just can't swing him loose. Yeah, I mean, 56 on 13 carries is still like 4.3 yards a carry. I mean, it's not absolutely terrible. Uh, could for sure be worse if you look at like Jason McClellan on the other side who had, you know, four more rushes and basically double the yards. He had 17 for 105 and a touchdown. Um, all aboard the Jason McClellan hype train, buddy. All aboard. Yeah, yeah, I think we all are at this point. And it's going to be a lot of Jason McClellan. I just don't think this Alabama QB room is very good. Milrow had a touchdown pass and interception today with 17 to 21. So good completion percentage for 225. But hey, that's a pretty damn good game there, buddy. Four incompletions, one of them being a pick and going over 200 plus a tutty. Come I'm, on now. Don't disrespect the man like that. Seems like he's got just as many touchdown throws and interception on the years where I was going with it. Um, I just, he's, he's more of an athletic quarterback, you know, kind of. We, we don't want the athleticism to be what he relies on. And I feel like that's what he's kind of going to have to rely on this year for Alabama to potentially be a playoff contender. He's not going to necessarily kill you through the air. Uh, but what well, I think, but I don't completely want to uh, bad mouth Jalen Milrow, you know, this uh, Alabama wide receiver room is the greatest. And again, same thing that we've been saying pretty much all year is it's going to be a week to week thing on who's the leading target getter, most yards, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Jermaine Burton had two catches for 62 yards. I think it's Jacob Hale. Jalen Hale, sorry. Had two catches for uh, 
63 yards and a touchdown. So at week to week, we don't know who's going to be the leading dog. I know week one was like Isaiah Bond. But week to week is going to change. Especially if Milrose, the quarterback, he clearly so far does not have quote-unquote favorite target. Whoever's out there, he throws it to. Unfortunately, no Malik Benson getting some touches this week, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I'm, I'm all aboard Milrose. He's the best quarterback they got. He's best for that offense. And it was great to see Jace McClellan finally start to show up on national TV. But all in all, Bama took care of business. And I, I definitely agree with you. Milrow is the best quarterback they have. Uh, kind of talked about it, I think, on the our podcast last week about McClellan and uh, Tyler Buckner. And Buckner's like a poor man's Jalen Milrow. So obviously he's better. And Ty Simpson's supposed to be the you know, the pocket passing quarterback and he to me doesn't doesn't hold up any candles. I'm I'm not a fan. So I'm 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 all aboard Jalen Milrow for Alabama as well. I'm talking a little bit of on the defensive IDP side. I know you and I are big uh, Sonny Styles guys for OSU, but Caleb Downs, the number one safety in the recruiting class for Bama, he's a monster. Yeah. He looks like a man among boys out there all over the place. He's got an NFL body already. I'm excited to see him play some more and get a bigger role in this offense. And as a true freshman, we don't see this often in Alabama. No, absolutely. Well, we, we really don't. Um, I feel like Nick Saban is, you know, the type of guy that you got to push your time in first before you get the chance. So to see a true freshman come in and immediately get an impact and get the play, uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, he came in at the perfect time with Brian Branch and – uh, junior battle, both departing for the NFL the same year. So luckily for him, there was a big hole in the defense on the back end, and he's filling those shoes nicely. So good for him. Yeah, kind of a mix, like you said, right place, right time type deal. So uh, just getting the opportunity. He's just going to grow from here. Well, absolutely. Move on to another Pac-12 battle. And just let me say, this is the best the Pac-12 has been in I don't know how long. You said last week they have, what, six or eight they had, teams in they top had 25? Eight, eight in top 25 last week. Uh, it'll probably drop down because of this game, but they're they're still top to bottom, the best I think I've ever yes, seen. Yes, six of them went head-to-head this week. Yeah. So we're talking about UCLA and Utah. Utah won a defensive slugfest 14-7. to seven. When I say defensive slugfest, I mean it. Both teams were sub-250 total offensive yards. We didn't even see 500 yards of offense. Yeah, that's crazy. UCLA had more yards, actually, which is even more crazy. Yeah. Uh, our freshman quarterback one, Dante Moore, did not look the best. 15-35 for 234, a touchdown and pick. He struggled. He had uh, 10 quote-unquote attempts on the ground for negative 51, <clears throat> long of three rushing yards. So he was <laughs> under pressure much like uh, Shadur Sanders, all game long. So he didn't have a chance to really get in rhythm. This Utah defense is extremely good, solid as always, and they were very disruptive today. Uh, running game couldn't get going either. Carson Steele and Harden also both had 11 carries each, 31 and 29 yards, couldn't get going. 22 carries for 60 yards, you know, less than three yards a carry. Yeah, the bright spot for Utah was Glover, the backup running back, to Jaquindon Jackson, 25 carries for 86 yards. 
He got majority of the work. Nate Johnson, quarterback, went 19 of 17 for 117 and one through the air. On the ground, 14 attempts for two yards, along of 11. So he was sacked a few times as well. Like I said, this was a very defensive-oriented game, which I was not expecting. I was hoping for a lot more fireworks and offense between Nate Johnson and Dante Moore and Carson Steele, Jaquindon Jackson, uh, J. Michael Sturdivant, three for 60. Just wanting a good game all around for either offense. And unfortunately, UCLA did not pull off the victory like I predicted. Yeah, I didn't anticipate this only being a fourteen to seven game, like you said. I, uh, you know, I wouldn't have said necessarily fireworks, but I would expect both teams to be in the twenties. Um, yeah, I'm just not a whole lot to talk about off what you said. I don't feel like this making this an echo chamber. Dante Moore didn't look the greatest, but he's a true freshman. Yeah, there'll be some games. Uh-oh. Yeah, I see your face. I just saw it. Uh, oh, you haven't seen the best part, or sorry, not the best part, the worst uh, part. Oh yeah, That's Marvin it. Harrison down on the play, helmet off, face down. Not sure what happened, but it, haven't seen him often injured on the field like this. So hopefully, just got the wind knocked out of him or something. He gets back up and going. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I remember what I was talking about. But... Oh, there's the. Oh, that's not good. Kind of got rolled up on on the right ankle. Well, as he was blocking. Yep. Ooh, oh, yeah. Ooh, that's that's a broke. That's a broken ankle, buddy. Mm. That looks bad. Yeah, something. Oh, all right, we'll move on. <laughs> but last game, completed game of the day for us, Kansas at BYU. This was more of my doing than Derek's. I was, I'm was. i a big Kansas guy on offense. Uh, Jalen Daniels, 130-3 and three through the air, but added 54 on the ground. And then Devin Neal, 17 for 91 on the ground. And he added 14 through the air. So this offense was humming as usual. And then BYU, pretty impressed with Keaton Slovis. 30 of 51 for 357 and two. Also had two interceptions. But he was, what do you call it? He was the engine in this train for BYU that kept him in it. But I was mostly watching this game for Devin Neal and Jalen Daniels. And they did not disappoint. Slovis is ex-USC quarterback, right? Yep. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. It seems like a lot of them older USC quarterbacks left for brighter passion. didn't quite be so bright. Uh, 51 pass attempts for Slovis is, you know, insane. But like you said, their offense was completely predicated on him moving them up and down the field. You know, rushing the ball-wise as a team, they didn't do really jack. They had, you know, if you count Slovis's sacks, they were well under 40 yards for the team. Um both and of us are said, Devin Neal guys. The, uh, like what the the trend right now for SC. Slovis played his freshman year, looked good. Jackson Dart played his freshman year, looked good. Both gone a year later. I don't know what's up with that, but hopefully we don't see that from Malachi Nelson. Was JT Daniels there too at one time, or is that? Well, I think so, but he's been you know everywhere. Everywhere, right. Um, I don't think with Lincoln Riley there, that's going to be the case. He's the <clears throat> the QB whisperer, per se. And Caleb, there, I think, and there's an instant. I shouldn't say instant because it's a possibility Caleb Williams comes back. But basically, yes. they same basically, thing with JT Daniels. Played his freshman year a pretty good bit. Came back for a sophomore year, 
didn't do well. Then he went to Georgia for two years, West Virginia, and Rice currently, which he is balling out of Rice. So maybe he just wasn't cut out for the Power Five, apparently. At he, didn't five look, seasons. he didn't look good against Texas. So, I mean, he, yeah, he must not be cut out. I mean, when they played Texas. So he, he just, yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't think Malachi Nelson transfers out. You know, he went there knowing that Caleb Williams was there, knew he was going to sit a year at least. Uh, yeah, and, you know, lucky for him. I guess not lucky, but a good situation considering he had a knee surgery back in December. Right. So going into a situation knowing he wasn't going to be counted on or looked to to perform his freshman year was just about perfect for him, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. You know, going into true freshman year, knowing that you don't really have to touch the field at all, a great situation. I agree with you. We'll move on, do some live game little check-ins before we hop out of here. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. did get help off the field limping, so hopefully we'll get some kind of update on him tonight if he does not return to the game. But we'll start with Georgia and UAB. Georgia's up 28-14 to at halftime. So they're maybe struggling a little bit on defensive side of the ball to keep them under wraps. But Carson Beck so far, 264 pass yards and two touchdowns. And then as far as receivers, Brock Bowers leads the way with 97-1. and one. Dominic Lovett, 59. And Oscar Delp has a catch, so he is still well involved in that offense as of right now. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Uh, Georgia. Continue to do Georgia stuff. You know, they're playing UAB, the University of Alabama, Birmingham. Didn't they uh, – no, it might have been a different school. They closed shop for like a year or two, or was that UAB? That was UAB, yeah. Okay. They so didn't nice, have enough funding yeah, for nice football see, and closed down. Nice to see them playing again, man. But Georgia <clears> – <throat> I'm surprised UAB's put up 14, to be honest, but Georgia's going to do what Georgia does. I don't – I'm trying to remember the running back. There was a pretty big-time running back. That's who it was. Jordan Howard. He was at UAB before they closed the doors, and he went to Indiana. Okay, I didn't know that's that's where he started because I remember seeing him his first year at Indiana. I was like, wow, this kid's pretty good because he's always been a – like he's a little bit bigger of a back. He felt like a Big Ten back immediately. Yeah, he, he balled out his freshman and sophomore year. Freshman year, 881 rush yards, then almost 16 and 13 touchdowns his sophomore year. In junior year, went to Indiana and put up over 1,200 and nine touchdowns on the ground. So a hell of a college career for Jordan Howard. Didn't work out as well as the NFL, but like you said, he was about 5'10", 210, 215. He was a bigger back, absolutely. But I, I was a big fan of his. I feel like he had a, a couple good games in the NFL. Uh, or maybe even a full season. Yeah, a couple good season. years in Chicago. Rookie yeah. year, I remember I had him, drafted him in one of our redraft leagues, our home league, and then I dropped him after like week two because he wasn't getting any playing time. And then all of a sudden, here he comes, taking over the backfield. I'm like, damn it. I knew I should have held on to him. I messed up. This sucks. Hey, at least it was in the infantile redraft days. Um no, it is. I'm sure that was when we played on ESPN. So tell you, was, how long ago, yeah. tell you how long ago that was. Yeah, because we've been on Sleeper for what six, seven years now. I'd say at least, at least. Yeah, we'll jump over to the Texas and Baylor game that is at halftime. 
Texas up 28 to 6. Quinn Ewers having a very efficient game. 12 to 16 for 126. No touchdowns, no picks, but he does have a rushing touchdown. Xavier Worthy is also having a very efficient game through the year. One of one for 35. So must have the trick play tucked in there somewhere. Yeah, Jonathan Brooks, I feel like, has been a focal point of this offense. Nine carries, 63 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, like you said, Quinn Ewers also had a touchdown. But our our guy, Cedric Baxter, also has a rushing touchdown. So uh, yeah. it's nice, nice to see him getting work as well. I anticipate since this game is 28-6 that the – you know, sometime in the third quarter, the starters are going to get yanked. Yeah, I believe Jonathan Brooks had about 43 of his rush yards on the first first and second series combined. Uh, but Jatavion Sanders, 61 yards, leading the way for the receiving group. And Xavier Worthy, only 10 yards. Hey. Cedric Baxter also has four. A.D. Mitchell has two for 33. So He hasn't scored a touchdown yet, so might have to take back the T.D. Mitchell nickname we dubbed for him last week. That's why I called him A.D. Mitchell. That, and I don't even know what he's really supposed to be called. I feel like he's been called six or seven different things. I mean, his real, his given name is Adani. I'm not, I don't know the, quite the story where the A.D. comes from or if it's just, you know, the first two letters of his first name. I feel like I heard somebody call him A.D.N.A. or something recently. I, I do, I don't know. I called him Adani. Oh, move on to UNC and Pitt. 27-17 right now. UNC's up almost at halftime. They just scored. Drake May, 6 of 9 for 110 and touchdown through the air. Eight carries for 43 yards and touchdown on the ground. So once again, hop in the backpack, Tar Heels. Yeah, I mean, um, doing a great job considering he's on your he was on your cell. Um, you Which, know. Hey, this performance, I think, solidifies that in my book. Because this is what he's going to have to do to win games all year. And I think much like Sam Howe, eventually, he's not going to be able to do it. Yeah, he. I mean, not, not to be too much. Yeah, not, not to, yeah, I was going to say, not to like beat a dead horse, but it's just going to, he'll crumble. You know, carrying a whole football team on your back's not for everybody. And I don't think Drake May's it. Um, he's personally not my QB2 anymore for Debbie. It seems I mean, like he's still a lot of people's faced. QB2. Yeah, yeah, everyone's still riding that horse. And they haven't I'm, faced their toughest opponents yet either. So the schedule's only going get to get tougher going forward. Yeah, I mean, I guess they are 3-0, and but, you know, they're leading. T- Did they just score? Is it 28-17? to Yeah, they just scored. Okay. Well, like you said, it's only going to get tougher. Oh. Now, Ohio State and Notre Dame. Marvin Harrison is jogging it off on the sideline. Looks like that right ankle is heavily taped up. So not as bad as possibly thought. They did just hand his helmet back. Always a good sign. Okay, because that looked on replay and slow-mo. That looked a lot worse than I anticipated. Yeah. Even though it went the opposite direction. I After the first replay, I looked away from it because they slowed it down, and I thought it was definitely a break. Um, So to see him up and jogging with it being taped – I'm not as concerned. No, I, I feel like with game. I feel like with him out MHJ, uh, this offense is going to take a significant blow. Yeah, Notre Dame better. Uh, they're inside the thirty. Got a fresh set of downs just now, so they better take advantage. They're down ten nothing about halfway through the third quarter. I uh, will talk about OSU's offensive side first. 
Kyle McCord, 9-16 for 84 so far. And the man, Travion Henderson, he is back, baby. 11 for 95 and a touchdown. Well, he's getting the bulk of the work by far. Chip Terranium has four carries, his second on the team. So it's the Travion Henderson show, and it just might need to be the rest of the game with the way this passing offense has been so far. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, kind of relaying off what you said about Travion Henderson, when Marvin Harrison got hurt, he was blocking for Henderson on his long touchdown run. Don't exactly remember what the yardage was on that on that touchdown run, but uh, I would say Travion Henderson is back. You know, we've been down on him a little bit this year, and uh, over the last two, three games, he just he looks like freshman Travion Henderson all over again, uh, which I'm not mad about. I'm not confident in Kyle McCord as a passer. So to see at least the running game be efficient and and good, to me, just makes more sense. I feel like we're probably going to rely on the running game a lot this year with that, in my opinion, the lack of confidence Ryan Day is putting in the court. Yeah, I know it's early still from the court, but he's just not it to me. He's not that five-star quarterback anymore. He's not CJ Stroud, that's for damn sure. And like you said, I feel like Ryan Day doesn't have as much confidence in him as he did CJ Stroud. He's just not – the offense seems more conservative than years past from his play calling. And I think, like you said, he's just not that confident in McCord, so he's not opening up, giving him the reins, and just let him go out there and letting it rip so far. I think it's safe to say that we're both Devin Brown guys. Um, but maybe McCord just got highly recruited because I'm sure everybody knows come you know come this point, but McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr. were high school teammates. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. in high school could make you and I look good. So uh, I'm, I'm not a Kyle McCord guy. You're not a Kyle McCord guy. Anybody who is – Good luck to you. I'd be trade. I would have traded him when he was named starter. Yeah, I would have. I wouldn't be touching him whatsoever in Debbie right now. He's just the sinking ship currently with this loaded 24 class. He's likely to come back at this point, I would say. So you're going to hold on to him yeah. for another season. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's, really, yeah, I don't think there's any way he leaves after this year. I, I don't think there's enough games this season for him to improve as much as he needs to to leave. I'm right there with you, buddy. We'll look at Notre Dame's side of the ball. Sam Hartman, still pretty efficient, like always. 11 of, six, 11 of 17 for 101. Audric Estime, 9 for 47 on the ground. And then the receivers just, like always, just sprinkled out there everywhere. Jaden Greathouse, one catch. Uh, Jeff Thomas, one catch. So it's just all over the place, like we're used to from Sam Hartman, Notre Dame. No really – much like Jalen Milrow when he's on the field, no true favorite. Yeah, kind of like you said, uh, you know, Jaden Greathouse, it's either he's going to get one or two catches for, you know, 30 yards or less, or he's going to go out there and get eight for over 100 a, a score or two. Uh, looks like the Buckeyes defense is, is keeping him in check pretty well, up, uh, really up until this drive. I know they missed a field goal early in the game, but – you know, we'll we'll see what it is. Audric Estime, though, I honestly thought he would – I thought he'd win the game for Notre Dame. So, for him to have nine for 47, uh, to me, is is a W for the Buckeyes. Yeah, me, but he is a running back that gets better as the game goes. So, I, I'm not counting him out just yet. Uh, no, I'm not either because we saw what Ohio State and Michigan was last year. We had your run game pretty well locked up until, you know, midway through the third quarter and then boom. Just wear you down. That, that's the MO against the Buckeyes. 
Absolutely. Well, move on to another Big Ten or a Big Ten battle, Penn State and Iowa in Happy Valley. And Penn State's defense is shutting them down through the first half and about five into the third, 63 total yards for the Iowa offense. But Penn State only has 10 points. Drawler's 18 of 27 for 121 and one. Nick Singleton, 15 for 45. Katron, 13 for 44. So the, so far, the offense is, they're just not scoring. They got 220 yards so far, total offense. They're just not getting in the end zone. Seems like they're having, they're getting a couple first downs and then getting stopped. They're just not having those sustaining drives that end up in points right now. Yeah, um, you know, kind of piggybacking again, uh, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen seems like they're almost splitting the duties 50-50, which is great to see in my opinion. Uh, Lambert Smith looks like he's the leading target getter, six receptions, you know, almost 50 yards. Um, at Penn State, it's a, you know, a top 25 matchup. Penn State's up 10-0. It's going to be a, a tough grinded out football game, it looks like. We'll dive into our one of our last games of the evening. Another Pac-12 top 25 matchup, Oregon State at Washington State. Just started the fourth quarter, and Washington State is up 35-21 to and a little bit of a shocker. I personally took Washington State myself, but I thought it'd be a little bit closer in this. But our boy, Cameron Effin Ward, baby. 26 of 30 for 364 and four touchdowns, one touchdown on the ground. No turnovers. This is the Cam Ward we've been looking to see for the last year plus. Yeah, he's absolutely having himself a game, man. I just feel like he's so much more confident in uh, this more air raid type of offense, and he's putting up the numbers we were hoping for him to have last year. Um, dare I say Heisman candidate? I mean, they as of this moment, they're going to be undefeated, pushing the top. They're going to be in the top 20. Yeah, I mean, they're they're beating the 14th-ranked team right now. I know it's a home game, but, I mean, they're up by two scores, too. They're so. three-point dogs at home. Right. And right now he's supporting two receivers that have 159 and 139. But those two receivers also have the four touchdowns. But he's out there doing the damn thing. Very, very exciting to see out of him. Yeah, he's got – I mean, I feel like it's been a common theme, but he's got just as many incompletions as he does touchdown passes. And he's got 30 attempts. I mean, it's he's just having a game, period. Cameron Ward, man, I, I love him. We, we've put our flag on this hill a while ago. Um, might be victory lap time here before too long. Yeah, if he keeps this up through the Pac-12 schedule, man, it's going to be hard to keep the hype down on him. Absolutely. As far as Oregon State, DJU has had a – Prototypical DJU game at Clemson, 10 of 18 for 100 yards and an interception. He does have 27 rush yards and one touchdown. And then Damian Martinez, the 2025 running back, 16 carries for 84 and then 12 receiving yards. So almost 100 total yards. He's having himself a pretty good game. Yes, it's kind of, kind of crazy to look at that. He's the second leading rusher and second leading uh, receiving yards guy on the team. And he's only got 12 receiving yards. So, um, but yeah, he's having a game. Uh, DJU is not a 10 to 18 for 100 yards passing. You know, not very good. No, maybe they'll have a fourth quarter comeback, but Washington State does have the ball currently. So they could make this a three score game in a hurry. 
Yeah, I mean, it looks like they're having a lot better time on the ground than they are through the air, and that's not the way you want it to be if you're losing in the fourth quarter. No, no, absolutely not. Move on to an SEC battle that flew under the radar. I'm on fire with my picks from last week on our prediction show so far. I said this would be a closer game than expected. LSU was favored by 17 and a half. It's 24 to 24 with 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. KJ Jefferson, 18 of 25 for 219 and two passing touchdowns, although he has one interception. And he also has 43 rush yards. And no Raheem Rocket Sanders for Arkansas once again this week. So doing this without their star running back. And then Jaden Daniels doing what he does. 258 pass yards, three touchdowns, and a pick, adding 35 on the ground. Yeah, again, a, a lot They're more impressed. Them. Yeah, well, uh, more impressed with Jane Daniels this year than I was last year, absolutely. Um, I think we both said this game was going to be a lot closer, like you said, uh, even without Rocket Sanders. You know, K.J. Jefferson, one of them guys that you know could be a sneaky, sneaky NFL prospect. Malik Neighbors having himself a bit of a game. Uh, five catches, 69 yards, and touchdown already. Mason Taylor, third leading receiver, three for 33. And uh, leading guy is Brian Thomas Jr. He's got four for 132 and two touchdowns. Yeah, old Mr. Reliable beside me, Malik Neighbors there, baby. Yeah, he is. He's, I mean, they have 416 yards of total offense. So they're not struggling in that sense, but they're struggling to put points up. Right. Same thing as the previous team we talked about, Penn State. They're not having the long, sustaining drives and converting into points, getting a few first down, getting lots of yardage, just not putting the ball in the end zone or through the uprights. Absolutely. I think LSU still pulls it out. Uh, they're also the home team, but you know, it's it's closer than I, I thought it was going to be. I didn't think it would be 24-24 in the fourth quarter. No, I thought LSU would win by, you know, 10. Yeah, I control the whole game. That's about what but I thought. They're not. And I'll let you go ahead and take away the final game. Uh, we still have USC and Arizona State to kick off, That's as it. well as Cal and Washington in about 30, 45 minutes at 1030 Eastern time. Yeah, so uh, the last game I kind of wanted to mention, it was really only for one player, but it's Memphis and Missouri. Uh, Memphis at Missouri. Uh, Luther Burden is just having himself another game, man. He's got uh, 10 targets with nine receptions, 173 yards. He has no touchdowns, but, man, he's just just racking up the yards again. Yeah, typical Luther Burden. I think I feel like he's fine. He's putting it together this year. I, I, I could see him. I mean, I think he's already top six for me, but he could be a top three guy next year. He could be. He could be proving me wrong on selling him, but he is, he is putting it together, but I still want to see it against tougher competition. Uh, tougher competition and then consistency. You know, like I said, it's it's just Memphis, you know, no, no, no disrespect, but yeah, if he could do it against other SEC teams, now we're talking. Yeah. That's when I'll be more impressed with him. If he's doing this against SEC opponents, I mean, they did play Kansas state, pretty tough opponent from the big 12 but I want to see it against his conference mates. And that was his MO last year. Didn't play too well in SEC play. So we'll see if he has truly improved and progressed and could be consistent throughout the rest of the season. 
I'm right there with you, man. If he can play, you know, if he can get over 100 yards a game against the conference opponents, I mean, that to me would solidify him right up there. That's all we got for this week. So we'll see you guys again on the next episode. It was a great day of college football. Still got some more football, pretty good football on for the rest of the evening to tune into. So please give us all a follow on Twitter at Gump7285 and then at D underscore Cook93 and that's spelled K-O-C-H. Then also our other podcast page at Gridiron underscore FS. And then, of course, at Destination Debbie. Sub to the website, DestinationDebbie.com. Tap into all the dope and creative content creators that we have going on on the website and all the great articles and tools that we have available to you. And appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll see you guys again next week. See you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>